Hello and welcome to BHTP Connections, your monthly travel podcast. I'm Kit Kiefer. And I'm Lisa Bellavin. Thanks so much for tuning in for another month of what's cool and what's new and what we think is going to blow your mind in travel. So hey, how was New York? I really liked it. Uh, I think I'm going to have a hard time not packing up and moving all my possessions and family members to New York City, but there's still a lot of work left to do here in the office, so I think I'll come back for a little while. How about you? Well, I I always love New York. So tell me, as a New York newbie, what were some of the things that just like went right to your heart? I think uh, on the positive side, um, I thought that people were surprisingly friendly. (laughs) I heard lots of stories, and I was expecting a bit of terseness, perhaps callousness, but I did not see it there for the most part. Um, I saw lots of people being helpful to each other on the street, and... uh, people uh, in all the establishments that we went to were really cool so that was nice um on the negative side it was as dirty as anticipated (laughs) and oftentimes smelly but uh but it's easy to get past uh, when you're surrounded by you know the historical beauty the culture the history um what they say is true it really is a magical city that never sleeps uh, by the horns honking outside your window and the protests uh, while we were there as well at all hours of the night. So um, it was more than I expected, and as you know, I really enjoyed it. How about you? You've been there many times, so your impressions are a bit different than mine. Yeah, but the thing is, when you go to New York and you see a few things, and, and this time around we, we went to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, we went to see the Statue of Liberty. We were right by the Empire State Building. We went past the Flatiron Building, uh, went to the New York Public Library, did a lot of stuff in between meetings, but we've only scratched the surface. Yeah. You know, that's the crazy thing about New York is we did a, a, a number of, you know, signature kind of New York things, and we're just getting started. Yeah. So, you know, uh, we'll be back uh, in New York City a a couple times probably to speak to some more great reporters uh, when we have our new products uh, coming out in a couple months. So we'll fill you in on that as the the event nears closer. Uh, We'll be back for some more meetings coming up soon. So more time to enjoy the city. The other thing I wanted to ask you was we were at the New York Times Travel Show, which which is a great show. So what were some of your takeaways on travel? from being to New York. Yeah, well, the, I think the best part about the show from a trade perspective is being surrounded by so many great minds and travel. And um, there's tons of panels that you can sit in on and really spend the day learning about what some great minds in travel are thinking. Um, some takeaways that were really interesting to me, and I'll see if you concur. Um, the first was about Cuba. And I thought it was a real amazing point that one of the panelists uh I forget their name off the top of my head, so I apologize for that, but uh, from a chain of resorts, all-inclusives in Mexico, he was talking about Cuba and basically how dare we expect Cuba to change for us. And I thought about that and I was like, that is such a good point. You know, when people are sitting back saying, you know, Cuba's not quite ready yet, the infrastructure's not in place, the hotels aren't really up to our Western standards. Um, His point was very refreshing in the way that, when we go there, we don't need to go there to experience 
what we know. We're there to experience the uh, culture and the wonderful people and the customs of Cuba. So I thought that was a very valid point. That, that's a great point. And actually, uh, the Trump administration has said that they will roll back some of uh, what the Obama administration did in regard to Cuba. So, you know, the, the, the window for Americans visiting Cuba may be short, maybe longer. But uh, again, you know, the idea that you know, we, we don't want to be the ugly Americans, and we're going to get into this with, with one of our guests from the State Department. We don't want to be that ugly American traveler. We want to be the traveler that really takes things in as opposed to imposing our worldview on wherever we happen to be at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, another fun fact that kind of just stuck out in my mind was uh, one of the um, cruise line CEOs said something interesting to me that he, he said if if we fill up, if we're 100% booked, we can't be booked anymore. And that was such an eye-opening thought to me as well. You know, like people are always about growth and expansion, and that's such a good thing. But it takes so much time, energy, resources, everything to build a cruise ship that you kind of like your surplus, your <laughs> the, the number of births that you have is the number of births that you have whether you like it or not. I had never thought of it that way. Yeah, you, you can't sleep them on lifeboats. No. And, and, you know, the other thing that he said that that I found really interesting, and, and his last name's Donald, and I forget his first name. He's the CEO of Carnival. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also the CEO. The, the Carnival line encompasses a lot of other cruises like Seabourn, which mm-hmm. is a much higher-end kind of boutique experience. He said, you know, we really count on travel agents to point the right traveler towards the right cruise because if the Seabourn person gets on a Carnival cruise, they're not going to like it and no. they're not going to tell their friends. And if the Carnival person gets on a seaboard cruise, they're probably not going to like it, and they're probably not going to tell their friends. So um, as a lot of these travel brands, and, and they had the second-in-command in Marriott, and he kind of echoed this as well, as, as a lot of these travel brands get really diverse and have lots of different brands and lots of different kind of niches, it becomes more and more important for you, the traveler, to make sure you're going into the right niche. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to have a bad impression of that brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so really fascinating stuff, and um uh, the show floor is always fun, <laughs> getting yeah. to meet um, people from, you know, different countries, different tour operators and uh, hotels, and, and there's always something fun for everybody. Yeah, and fill your suitcase with unnecessary plastic <laughs> objects. <laughs> right. Um, to me, the big thing there on the show floor was how big virtual reality has become. Oh, my gosh, yes. Last year when I was at the show, there were probably one or two booths that had virtual reality uh, equipment so you could kind of test a destination for yourself. Now the number was closer to 20. Yeah, I was kind of floored by that as well, how um, big that's become. And I mean, I guess it's kind of a (laughs) no-brainer. If you want to go to a place, why not put a headset over your eyes and experience it in 360 degrees? Uh, But really, really fascinating. Though, you know, it's a double-edged sword, right? Virtual reality is kind of a double-edged sword because... If you're virtually visiting Namibia, are you going to want to go to Namibia or are you going to say, well, you know, I've seen it. I I don't have to spend (laughs) $2,500 to see it for real, so I'm good. Well, our hopes are that those tried and true travelers that are really interested are going to want the full-on experience other than visual. (laughs) So we'll cross our fingers. So speaking of Africa, um, I, I think we'll we'll kind of tease who we have coming today. So at the New York Times Travel Show, one of the great things is there's a lot of really knowledgeable, as you mentioned, people 
in the travel industry that you can ask for a few minutes of their time and get some great insights. So we've, we've got a couple of those really good interviews. Uh, the first one's going to be with Kevin Cowie, who is with African Travel, and he's going to be talking about South African travel. Mm-hmm. And one of those places that uh, we found in the State of Travel Insurance uh, report that we recently released to the public. And which we're going to tell you more about after yes, the interviews. and where you can go to find it. Um, South Africa being a, you know, a multifaceted destination, whether it's safaris, wine, food, culture, adventure, it's kind of one of those places that has everything that travelers in 2017 are looking for. That's right. And actually, I ran into one of my uh, writers for the BHTP blog. You can find it at blog.bhtp.com. Highly recommended. Uh, she is going to be taking a train across the Namibian desert. And lucky, (laughs) and and that's the kind of South African experience that you don't often think of when you think of South Africa. You might think safaris, like you said, the coast, food and wine. Uh, If you've ever seen the movie Endless Summer, you might think Mm -hmm. surfing. But uh, the Namibian desert and a train ride, not so much. So Mm -hmm. we've got Kevin there. And then we were also very fortunate and uh, we're very grateful for the time of Karen Christensen. And she is the Deputy Assistant Secretary for Overseas Citizens services. And I bet she's going to have some really good uh, insight about that uh, ugly American tourist affliction we seem to have in America. She really does. She has some great insight. She's been in the Foreign Service for many years, and she's really in charge of the State Department's efforts toward tourists and responsible tourism and everything that we've talked about many times from the STEP program to embassies and consulates to travel alerts and warnings. So we were really fortunate to have some time with her. But but first, you know, let's kick it off with Kevin and, and let's talk about some South African travel. We're here at the New York Times Travel Show with Kevin Cowley from African Travel, and we're talking South African travel. And Kevin, we were just discussing just how hot South Africa is right now. Not, we're not talking temperature. And you're absolutely correct. South Africa is probably one of the hottest destinations going right now. You know, it's very interesting for us. We're finding a lot of people are actually turning to Africa as opposed to going to Europe, um, which is terrific for us. We're absolutely thrilled. So it's an amazing destination. It exceeds everybody's expectations. Something very special happens to you when you go to Africa and when you travel to Africa. It's just an incredible, incredible destination. Everybody should do it at least once in their lifetime. So we were talking yesterday, and you characterized South Africa as the safer Africa. Would you like to elaborate on that? I think it is because I consider it to be like a soft exotic. So it's an exotic destination, um, but everybody there speaks English. You have cotton, cold running water everywhere, uh, flushing toilets, food that everybody recognizes. So while it's exotic, you don't have to give up any of the creature comforts of home. And the levels of service in South Africa in particular are spectacular, unbelievable. They truly understand service, and five-star service is found everywhere in South Africa. It's an amazing, amazing experience. Well, two of the areas that seem to be really hot with travelers right now are adventure travel and bucket list travel, and and South Africa really has both those covered. You're absolutely right. Uh, For the adventure travelers, there's just a plethora of options available to them. Uh, One of my favorites, an absolute incredible adrenaline rush, would be uh, cage diving with the great white sharks. Uh, Despite the fact that it says diving, you don't need to be a scuba diver. You don't even really need to know how to snorkel. If you can hold your breath for 10 or 15 seconds, you're in. And it is unbelievable, a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Uh, Then there's uh, zip lining and bungee jumping. And for those that go up to Victoria Falls, uh, they can uh, zip line from one country to the other across the bridge. Um, It's just an incredible adventure, adventure. And in Cape Town itself, uh, you can rappel down Table Mountain. uh, You can walk down Table Mountain. You can bike down Table Mountain. um, And then just the whole safari experience is an adventure in itself as well. 
You mentioned safaris, and that really seems to be on people's bucket lists. What are some of your favorite options for safaris in South Africa? One of the wonderful things about safariing in South Africa, as opposed to other parts of Africa, is that you truly get very up close and personal with the animals. So for first-time visitors to Africa, obviously safariing and seeing the animals is really a major part of what they're looking to do. So it's really terrific because they get the animal fix immediately as soon as they go on safari, and they are absolutely blown away about how up close and personal they're getting with the animals. Uh, this is It's still nature, it's nothing man-made about it, um, but it really is absolutely an experiential uh, uh, happening, an event. It's incredible. It's wonderful. One other area that seems to be hot is food and culinary travel, and again, South Africa's got it covered. You're absolutely right. Cape Town now considered to be one of the top five cities in the world and is truly a city for foodies. Uh, the restaurants are dynamic. It's an incredible, vibrant scene. Um, and South Africa in general, even when you go on safari, people think, well, out in the bush, how good can the food be? It's truly a gourmet experience. It's People are blown away by the level of the food and the fact that they recognize a lot of the food, uh, which gives them the opportunity then to try something different as well. Uh, I think you know when you go somewhere and you feel like you have to eat rice and potatoes all day because you can't eat anything else. You may not try something else. But here you're going to see everything that you know and are familiar with. So it gives you the initiative and the incentive to go and try something different and absolutely love it, I guarantee. Well, you mentioned the word plethora before, and I, I think that's really a great word to describe the variety of experiences. You know, I have a writer who's going to take the train across Namibia. You have that. You have mountains. You have coastline. The, the variety really seems to be unmatched almost anywhere in the world. It's absolutely true. Everything, as I said, from shark diving to the animals themselves to the beauty. The winelands of Cape Town are stunningly beautiful. It's a Kodak moment at every turn, as I like to say, albeit an old cliche. Um, but it really is true. And, uh, and even down just outside of Cape Town, there are penguins, a year-round colony of penguins on the beach. So you don't even need to go to Antarctica to see penguins. They're right there in South Africa. Uh, so it's really amazing that it's just a complete and utter wide variety of everything, something for everybody. So what are some of your favorite South African experiences? Well, um, there are Cape Town, of course, an absolute given. Everybody should, nobody should miss Cape Town when they're going to South Africa. It truly is an amazing city. It's got the iconic Table Mountain at the back, surrounded on three sides by water. So that's an absolute given. If anybody's into wine, the South African wines are incredible. They've come such a long way in the last 30 years or so, and they're right up there with the very best of the French and the uh, Californians, winning international contests all the time. Uh, the beauty of the winelands, as I said, so even if you're not a wine drinker, it's worth going out there just to see the beauty in a little bit of rural just outside of Cape Town. Safari, of course, is an experience. It's second to none. And it leaves everybody with a very, very special feeling and an affinity with those of others that have been to Africa. And until you've been there, you can't possibly get it. Um, and then it's really worth doing an add-on going up to Victoria Falls, the largest curtain of water in the world, a UNESCO site. Uh, just truly, truly spectacular. So there's just so much. And even if you're into the beach, going across to Durban and the southeast part of the country, uh, well worth it for a couple of days to do a little beaching. It's just, there's something for everyone. It's incredible. So what's the best way to see South Africa for someone who might never have gone to South Africa before? Okay, so this is very definitely a destination where it's worth talking to somebody that knows what they're doing. Um, so for most of the, uh, the consumers, I highly recommend using a travel agent um, because they really can get the ins and outs. There is a huge, wide variety of options when it comes to lodges, and they cater to different tastes and likes and, and, and preferences. So it's really important. This is not a 
day trip to you know down the road it's a big ticket item it's going to take a big chunk of time so it's really worth getting it right and it's worth talking to a professional that really understands and gets all the nuances and all the knows all the details about what is going to be best for the for you as a traveler to to to, to get the very best out of the vacation possible so there's definitely no question in my mind that it should be done through somebody that uh, knows what they're doing whether you go as part of a group or whether you do it as an independent traveler is of course entirely up to the individual's preference and how they travel but definitely use a professional that understands what they're doing and knows the details so south africa good travel value these days it is absolutely incredible value the south african rand has been uh, all over the place in, in value but right now uh, compared to about five or six years ago it's definitely down which means that once you get there uh, the cost of living is very low for those of us, particularly coming from the United States. Uh, currently, there's actually about 14 rand to the U.S. dollar. Uh, so it really is amazing value. It's absolutely incredible. So if people want to know more about South African travel, what are some resources you recommend? Well, I absolutely recommend talking to a travel agent. Um, and then, of course, if you uh, do a little bit of research, perhaps you'll find an African a company that offers tours to Africa. Um, obviously, I'm with African Travel, so africantravelinc.com would be for us. Um, and we're more than happy. We have safari specialists on hand that are more than happy to help uh, with the planning of any trip. But if you have a travel agent who already understands you and knows what you're doing, then I highly recommend using them. They will come to us, and we together in partnership will make sure you get the very, very best uh, trip possible. Fantastic. Kevin Cowley, African Travel, a pleasure. Thank you for talking with us. It's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you for asking us. That was so great. Thank you so much uh, to Kevin and thank you, Kit, for the wonderful interview. I learned a lot <laughs> and I definitely want to check out South Africa. That kind of goes without saying. It's one of those places that really um, is magical and like literary in the mind, like one of those places that uh, I think is on the bucket list of many travelers. So thanks so much. That was great. And it's cheaper from New York. So when you move there, you right. can you can get better air. You can stay at my place on your way over. <laughs> you mean you're not going to make it an Airbnb? Well, you might make <laughs> yeah. it an Airbnb and I'll stay there. There won't so be yeah. any room. <laughs> you're on the couch. <laughs> As long as we're talking about South Africa and talking about traveling overseas, I know one of the things that you're always conscious of, and you've been overseas a lot, is to just be a good representative of the United States of America. Mm -hmm. uh, yep, and I think that anybody who's traveled overseas could probably agree that it's more important than ever nowadays to reflect uh, um, true American values of um, kindness, openness. You know, being culturally curious and a lot of the things that, you know, Americans are really known for. Yeah, and now is more important time than ever to, uh, to when meeting others, to portray those traits. So uh, that's a long-winded way of saying that Karen has some really interesting things and great advice for people who are traveling overseas, especially during these times. So here's Karen Christensen from the U.S. State Department. We're here at the New York Times Travel Show with Karen Christensen. And Karen, you have a wonderful title, but it's quite long. So I'm going to have you tell us exactly what your role is. Um, my title, this big long title, is Deputy Assistant Secretary for Overseas Citizen Services. And my friends ask me what that means, and I say, well, it's anytime anything happens overseas and involves a U.S. citizen, someone in my office is involved in some way. Now, a lot of travelers may not know all the resources that the State Department has for travelers. Could you kind of briefly go over some of what those are? Sure. We think one of our most important resources is the information that we put out for travelers. We have um, a website, travel.state.gov, where we 
post all this information. Um, we have country-specific information for every country that gives some idea of some conditions in the country that we think will be particularly important for travelers as they plan travel so that they can be as safe as possible. We also put out um, travel warnings and travel alerts and specific post-specific, country-specific security messages. Those are all um, information products that give travelers specific information about particular dangers that we think they need to be aware of. Now one of the questions we always get is what's the difference between a travel alert and a travel warning? And you're smiling because I'm sure it's something that you you talk about frequently. So once again, what are some of those differences? <laughs> so I spend far more time than I should explaining what the difference is. Uh, so the basic difference it has to do with the length of time of, of the issue in, in, at hand. So travel words, uh, travel travel alerts and travel warnings both have to do with security situations and dangerous situations that we think we need to alert the public to. Um, a travel alert is going to have a time frame, a time bound time frame. It's something we think is going to be a temporary situation, but a travel warning is a really long-term permanent situation. And some of the travel alerts are not country-wide. They can be very concentrated, correct? They can. We sometimes do put out travel alerts that are um, regional. If, if that is that what you're, right. you're asking? Uh, yeah. For instance, there may be a political demonstration in a given city, things of that okay. nature. That's what we would call a security message, and that would be put out by a post. So let me talk a little bit about how you can get some of this information. I mentioned travel.state.gov. That's something that people don't always remember to go to. What's that website anyway? Uh, so we have something we call the STEP program, Smart Traveler Enrollment Program. And we would advise travelers to go enroll in STEP. You say, I'm going to go to this country between this date and this date. And then we will make sure that anything that is sent out specific to that country or that area goes to you. So that is really the most effective way to make sure you have the up-to-date information. You can register for that as a traveler, or if you are, say, a concerned parent of a traveler, you could also register. Uh, so that's something we really advise as the best one-stop way to get the information that's relevant to your particular travel. It's super easy, but it's also on a per-trip basis. So every time you're going somewhere differently, you need to re-enroll, correct? Uh, yes, because we need to know, you know where you're going to be and what the dates what the dates are. We don't want to keep sending you, you know, for your entire life <laughs> information about the situation in Ouagadougou. So yes, we'd advise you to, to register per, per trip. And one of the, the resources you have that uh, we were talking about earlier is a traveler's checklist. So before you leave, what are a few of the things that you need to keep in mind before you go? So I'm carrying around these little cards with printed copies of our traveler checklist. It's really pretty easy. First is get informed. We talked about some of the ways you can get informed. Our website, um, you can come actually to our, to our booth right here at the New York Times Travel Show, booth 862, and learn about how to apply for a passport and many of the other services that, that we have. Um, we don't have to be the only source of information. You can look for other information that's relevant to you and your particular situation. But we do advise you to start with us because we take this really very seriously. Next step on our checklist is get the required documents. Obviously, you need a passport to travel. And now, more than ever, your passport needs to be valid for six months from the date that you plan to travel. More and more countries are enforcing a policy that the 
the passport has to be valid for six months. You don't want to arrive somewhere and have them say, oh, you can't come in because your passport's only valid for another month. So make sure it's valid. Um, adult passports are valid for 10 years. Children's passports are valid for five years. So if you're traveling as a family, make sure everybody has a passport valid uh, for six months. And remember that if it's a child's passport, both parents have to sign the passport application. So that can be another thing you need to plan for. Um, also, you may need, um, obviously, uh, visas for certain countries. And that we will have that information on our country-specific information um, listings, but also use that as a starting point. And then, obviously, you're going to have to look at the specific information that that individual country puts out as well about how to apply for a visa and so forth. Uh, get enrolled is item number three. We've already talked about that enroll in step so that you get the up-to-date information as we put it out. And finally, we have on here get insured. Um, there are a lot of things that we can do for a traveler who's in trouble. We can visit you in prison. We can help you contact your family members. If you lose your all your money, um, we can help you navigate local police and explain how things work in a country. But really, there are a lot of things that the traveler needs to be able to do for themselves. So if your uh, flight gets canceled, we can't get you a new flight or pay for a new flight. Um, and if you have a medical emergency that requires evacuation, that can be phenomenally expensive, hundreds of thousands of dollars, and you need to have insurance that will cover that. When we say get insured, we also advise travelers, look really specifically at your individual situation. What are you going to do? You know, If you're going to be on a scuba diving vacation, you need insurance that's going to cover a hyperbaric chamber. But you probably don't need that if you're going on a bus trip to France. So look at your situation, look at your needs, read those policies carefully. Don't think, oh my credit card says they have travel insurance and think that that's all you need. So if I asked you what are three ways that a traveler can be a responsible, good traveler, a, a representative of the United States when they're traveling abroad, what, what would those three things be? Um, first of all, learn something about the country you're going to. Learn something about the culture and be respectful of that culture. Um, different cultures have different issues. I, I was just saying earlier, you know, I remember when I was 11 years old, I wasn't allowed in St. Peter's because, in, in Rome, because I had a sleeveless dress. Um, so learn something about, about the culture, about where you're going, be respectful in that way. You know, if, if it's a culture that values modesty, be, be modest. Um, and be appreciative of, of, of where you are. Um, don't uh, don't cause problems, and I would say a new one that we're adding to the list now is is don't be impaired. Um, we see a lot of people who get into trouble themselves um, because they've had too much to drink. They are otherwise somehow impaired, and they make bad decisions. So uh, you're in a new situation. You're in an unknown area. Uh, you need to have your faculties about you so that you can make the best decisions possible, and then you're going to have a good trip. And more and more Americans are seeing the world, and I, I gather that's something you really encourage. Absolutely. Um, I'm a Foreign Service officer. I've been doing this for 30 years. I value that incredibly, uh, and I think that there is so much that we can learn from traveling to other cultures, from going uh, around the world and, and seeing other places, but we need to do it responsibly. Um, and that's when it's most valuable. And one last question, what's on the horizon for U.S. travelers and for the State Department in regard to travelers? In regard to travelers. So 
from my perspective, in my Office of Overseas Citizen Services, um, what we do is something that has been at the core of the State Department mission since the State Department was created, and that is protection of American citizens abroad. That is going to continue um, forever. That is always going to be um, that is always going to be our core mission. We're also always looking for ways that we can improve the products that we give to our citizens. For example, passports. Um, we believe we have the, the securest document in the world, one of really the, the, the gold standard of, of a passport. Um, but we're always trying to stay ahead of the game, so we're working on some changes to the passport to make it to, so that it can continue to be the gold standard. And we expect those changes will be out in um, probably a year or so. So travel.state.gov, follow them on Twitter, enroll in the STEP program. Anything else? I think that covers it. Have a great time. Thanks so much, Karen Christensen from the State Department. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here. So again, our thanks to Karen Christensen for taking a little time with us. And, and obviously, you know, the STEP program, we, we've talked about it and talked about it. It's a great program. We highly recommend it. In fact, uh, we're often asked by companies that aggregate travel insurance. So they offer a lot of different companies on their sites for statements on political situations or statements on, on weather-related issues that might affect travel. And whenever it's a political-related uh, situation involving travel overseas, we always recommend the STEP programs. Mm -hmm. uh, it's one of the simplest things you can do, and it's one of the best things you can do to stay informed. It's easy, it's quick, it's straightforward. You can do it all online, and if there's anything going on in the area that you're traveling in, they can notify you by email, by telephone, by text. It couldn't be easier. We recommend you go and check it out. And the other thing we recommend, of course, is travel insurance. And, and one of the interesting things that Karen said that, that I think is worth reiterating is the State Department is an advocate for travel insurance. One of the things they want you to do alongside enrolling in that STEP program is ensuring your travels. Not just for the medical coverage, which is super important, and the evacuation coverage, which is invaluable should you ever need it, but the assistance services provided by the professionals behind your travel insurance is going to be priceless if ever you do get into a situation. So that's our plug. That, that's our plug. And, and of course, go out to uh, bhtp.com, check out our products. If you're headed overseas, this is a big travel time. Uh, if you're headed overseas, check it out. Check out Exact Care. Check out Air Care for your flights. And I think you'll be pleased at what you find. Absolutely. So there was another thing that brought us to New York last week, and that was our new state of travel insurance report for 2017 that Kit was so kind to put together for us uh, over a pretty good span of time and a lot of work and a lot of uh, uh, crunching of numbers and industry insights. So it was really cool to finally get to share that with travel industry professionals and share what you found. Yeah, and actually um, one of the interesting things regarding that and, and a new scoop for you is I'm negotiating on the rights to the Lego movie version oh, of great. the state, state of travel insurance. <laughs> report. Actually, no. Um, <laughs> if you're at all interested in travel insurance and, and interested in travel, because to put this together, we really had to look at where Americans are going to be traveling in 2017. What's hot? Who's who's going where? Why are they going there? Looking at it by age and so forth. Uh, it's really a great report. You can download it. It's free for a download at go.bhtp.com slash S as in Sam, O-T-I 
2017. We highly recommend you check it out. And, you know, because here are a couple of the insights. Uh, you know, we had Kevin on. We were talking about bucket list travel. We were talking about adventure travel. Uh, according to our research that we did to prepare this report, bucket list travel is huge. Even the most surprising part of that is even among 18 to 34 year olds. So young people have a bucket list and they're working on it. Yeah. And, and, I found that astounding until I talked to you. True. I'm a little bit past millennial. I'm 35, and I believe the cutoff is 34. But I'm doing a bucket list trip this year, and um, I'm sure lots of my you know, contemporaries are as well. So it's not quite so strange. I think we need to come up with a new term besides bucket list to describe this type of once-in-a-lifetime travel. So once-in-a-lifetime we'll travel? We'll we'll call gonna, it that. We need something catchy, though. <laughs> Stay tuned. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> The other thing is that adventure travel is very, very strong, and, and, and we talked about that. And in preparation for this, and in preparation for the release of the report, we actually got together with some really smart people. Uh, we got together with Chris McGinnis, who's been a guest on this show, uh, Clayton Reed, who's the president of MMGY Global, the number one advertising and public relations firm serving the travel industry, and then Jim Grace, who's the CEO of Insure My Trip, which is one of the top aggregator sites for travel insurance out there, plus Dean Sibley, our CEO. And we sat down and we talked about travel trends. And some of the interesting things that Jim was sharing was that, hey, you know, in, in January, New Zealand is way bigger than we ever thought. And South Africa's bigger than we thought. And I said, it's adventure travel, mm-hmm. right? These are hot adventure travel destinations. It's that time of year. People are looking down under, and they're looking to do something that's a little off the grid, something that might be a little strenuous. And these are the top destinations. These are adventure travelers, mm-hmm. man, and pl- plus some bucket list travelers, because I know a lot of people who have New Zealand and have South Africa on their bucket list, but a lot of adventure travel going on as well. So it's these kinds of insights that I think you'll find in this report and why we highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. We find also that social media is kind of driving this uh, adventure travel, bucket list travel, in the way that people are liking to travel, to share it, to gloat to their friends. <laughs> which is surprising to me, but I'm sure there are people out there who do enjoy that. Well, we happen to be traveling to New York for someone who is living for the Instagram moment. So, <laughs> yeah. And that would be our boss. Um, and he, he was all about Instagramming wherever he happened to be at the time. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's an example of that, right? Yep. And, I, you know, I think, too, uh, it's nice to travel vicariously through others. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it's it personally. Cheap. Yeah, it's super cheap and quick. And you could do it uh, many locations in, the, in a 30-minute span. But, of course, nothing substitutes for the real thing, right? So we highly re- recommend you get out there. So, so today, when you, when you kind of look at it in, 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 as a whole, so we talked about how to be a responsible traveler. We've talked about some great destinations, adventure travel, bucket list travel. Uh, we've talked about where some of the travel trends are. So really, there, there's no excuse not to get out there. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think it's a really valid point, too, that the state of travel insurance report is not just about insurance. It's about how people are going to be seeing the world in 2017, because I think you're 100% correct. Before we understand what our customers want in their travels, we need to understand why they're traveling, where they are going, and then we'll be able to uh, offer the best products and services. So really good insight and looking forward to uh, doing it again in 2018. Huh? Yeah, you're looking forward to <laughs> yeah. it because you don't have to do the work. That's right. uh, I just get to ride your coattails. <laughs> 
So that address again is to download the report, and it's free. Uh, it's go.bhtp.com slash SOTI2017. Highly recommend you get out there and check it out. Um, I want to apologize for a couple of the guests that we interviewed at the New York Times Travel Show but won't have the time to get on this show. So we've got, for next time, this is a great teaser for next time, we've got Scott Wiseman from Travel Impressions, which is one of the largest travel agencies that really kind of works with other travel agents, or, um, marketing tours and marketing travel packages and all-inclusives and so forth. He's got some great insights on what's going on in the Caribbean and some of the hot temperature-wise and in terms of popularity destinations around the world in 2017. So we've got Scott. We've also got, as long as we're talking adventure travel, we've got a great guy. We've got Justin Wood from REI Adventures. Did you know REI did tours? I did not until you told me. They have been doing it for 30 years, <laughs> and they have some great adventures all over the world, regardless of your age, regardless of your gender, regardless if you're a solo traveler or a group, they've got lots of great options for you. And he's going to be talking about that. You're going to love that. I'm going to love it. I can't wait. (laughs) But that's enough for now. We've we've kind of whetted your appetite for what's coming up next. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, If if you did, please let us know. You know, we're out on Facebook. We're out on Twitter. uh, We're on Pinterest. We're on Instagram. You know, just shoot us something and let us know what you think of us. Yep, just about everywhere. And uh, if you do download the State of Travel Insurance 2017 report, let us know what you thought too. Let us know if we're in line with your travels and what you plan to do in 2017. We always love to hear from you. So with that, we're going to say happy February. We made it through January. We did. Oh, it's so great. (laughs) January. All right. (laughs) Uh, Happy February and safe travels. For BHTP Connections, I'm Kit Kiefer. And I'm Lisa Belvin. Safe travels. We'll see you next time.